As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10, place your first bet on any game, and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager. The Athletic. Totally Football League show. Fulham close in on promotion. Reading close in on safety. Derby close in on a new owner. It's close in the League One title race. And we'll close this intro in the standard fashion. This is the Totally Football League show in association with Paddy Power. Back again then, gang. Another busy midweek of action in the English Football League. Alongside me, Matt Davis-Adams, to talk it all through are two sometime hosts of this podcast. Robin Cowan's back with us. Hi, Robin. Yeah, actually, this isn't a pod. This is a coup. Um, oh. Me and Adrian have... Uh... <laughs> Let's have a presenter off. <laughs> uh, this is why Abby's booked you both. This is my answer. Right, okay. Adrian Clark, just just uh, if you could stick to your normal role for the, the next 45 minutes or so, that would be appreciated. I should do my best, Matty. <laughs> Thank you. Uh, right, let's get into to Wednesday's action. Uh, days after witnessing the worst game he'd ever seen, Steve Bruce was bringing the good vibes back to the Hawthorns. West Brom shot Bournemouth, courtesy of early goals from Alex Mower and Andy Carroll. They won by two goals to nil. We ought to start, I guess, with, with West Brom, Robin, haven't we? Because we've been kind of slagging them off all season, basically, about how <laughs> dull they are. Uh, but they've managed to beat Bournemouth, so good on them and, and good on Steve Bruce. Maybe a little bit late for a playoff run? I think so, yeah. Um, I th- you know, it'd be good to finish the season strongly and get a bit of momentum for next season because the expectations will be high again. You know, uh, they'll be looking to push for promotion. It's been, though, a bit of a meh season. But this is, a, you know, pretty good win against an excellent Bournemouth side. And, yeah, Andy Carroll, he sort of um, got a little boost, didn't he, from uh, his time at Reading, and now he's uh, he's doing really well for West Brom. I really think he's 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 a very good championship player. Well taken goal, although on the Bournemouth side, that his goal in particular, it, ouch, not good defend, not good defensively at all. Um, I think for them, probably just a blip though. Uh, Abby says that Steve Bruce has been nominated for, for Manager of the Month for March, but my brain just can't quite compute that. Um, this can't be true. Uh, on, on, <laughs> it can't be. On, on Andy Carroll, by the way, he's, he's one of the stories of the season, in my opinion, mm. because he was jobless. He was sort of out of work, wasn't he? Um, not fit, no club. We kind of thought he'd retired. And then he went to Reading and did surprisingly well. I think the Reading fans loved him. He caught the eye there, and and I think he's done the same at West Brom. Even though results haven't been great, he's been good. His performance levels have been excellent, and he's what's really struck me is his work rate. He's he's charging around the pitch like a teenager. So well, well done, Andy Carroll. You see, the, the fire still burns. Um, Adrian Robin says Bournemouth's defeat here probably a blip. I'm inclined to agree with her because they, they do chuck one of these in every so often but I'm just looking at their next run of games. Starting with Sheffield United away, they then got Middlesbrough Coventry who are decent, Fulham Swansea who are in form, Blackburn Forest and finish at Millwall I mean that, that that's a tough running. That's a horrible running. That is, that is really challenging and if they don't rediscover better form then they're going to drop a lot of points, which might just give encouragement 
to the chasing pack. Maybe your lot, Matt, uh, Nottingham Forest, they're the ones on the charge, aren't they? So I can see them dropping a lot, a lot of points in that in that particular run. So that race for second might go a little bit longer than than any of us anticipated. Yeah, this was not great. They had a lot of the ball, they had a lot of shots, but they were sort of half chances and West Brom kept them at bay quite comfortably, really, didn't they? Um, the highlight for me was when I was watching the highlights back on uh, Bournemouth TV. They referred to Phil Billing as Phil Bill, which I thought was nice. <laughs> I thought I thought that was that was that was a nice way to um, to to refer to him. So um, yeah, that was about as good as it got for them. The <laughs> You can only get away with that in-house commentary, can't you? Those sort of. Uh, <laughs> no, do it. You, you need to do it. You need to do it on uh, a high-profile match uh, involving Bournemouth, Robin. I dare you. Um, yeah, dare you to I just say a great pass there from Phil Bill. Yeah, I'll leave that to the, the Martin Tylers of this world, I think. <laughs> it's certainly an improvement on the top billing line that I've been trying to get over all season uh, to no effect. Uh, right, to quote our friend Nick Miller, it's just possible Nottingham Forest may never lose a game. Uh, well, they will at some point, of course, but certainly the form horse in the championship just now putting in a, a six out of 10 performance against Coventry, never looking in any danger of losing. Um, Robin, this is really jarring for me. I, I just can't get my head around it. To go to the city grounds and consistently see the supporters backing a team who are, are you know, winning every game is just not something that I'm used to. And, and as I say, didn't actually play very well on Wednesday night against Coventry, certainly not by mm. recent standards. But there's a, a measure of control about the way they play, which is is really difficult for opponents, I think, because there's just a, a ridiculous amount of confidence going through the team. Well, of interest, when do you feel was the last time there was this? Never. I, I, I genuinely think never. Really? I mean, yeah. Even if you go back to the early 90s when we win the odd League Cup and stuff, it, 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 there's never been a sense of unity like this, I don't think. Or, or certainly mm. an atmosphere where it's actually noisy in the stadium, which it hasn't been other than the sounds of booze for, for years <laughs> and years. But, I mean, it's Steve Cooper, isn't it, basically? He's, he has totally transformed the football club. Not Not completely single-handedly but it's a remarkable job that he's done yeah no incredible I just wondered is it because it's been year after year of you know managers who've occasionally done okay but they haven't stuck with them and then the churn of players there's there just seems to be a bit more as you say sort of consistency a little bit more clarity almost and from on the pitch to off the pitch which is something that has been lacking hasn't it for quite some time yeah massively from the outside it goes all through the club as well. You know, the under-18s reached their first FA Youth Cup final this week, beating Chelsea in the semi, which is a, a big thing to do. And and also, you know, as we've spoken about before, Clarkey, they made good buys in January and Keenan Davis, a standout player in this game, was absolutely sensational. He's, he, he's just a bully in the nicest possible sense. Yeah, they were, they were great goal involvements, weren't they? I know that he was good in general play, but for the two goals, he, he, he got received one on a half turn, slipped in, Colback, didn't he, who crossed... For Johnson, and then the the way that he, for want of a better phrase, mugged off the defender for for the second goal was 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 great to see, wasn't it? You like you love to see that kind of thing, and and Garner lashed it home. Yeah, Keenan Davis, it was a really smart pickup. We kind of sniggered at it, didn't we? Let's let, disclaimer: we weren't we weren't all on board, but, but because of his goal record, but we hadn't seen enough of him at first team level you know, over the course of 90 minutes, had we previously, because he was in and out of Villa. Um, but this is, it goes to show when a player feels wanted, feels really part of a team, that's when that's when you should judge them over over a period of games and he's, he's delivered. Half a chance for Forrest to reel in Bournemouth, maybe, but the Reds have got some tough games coming up too. They go to Luton on Good Friday. They've still got to go away to Fulham and Bournemouth too, but they certainly have momentum on their side, as do Fulham. Another victory for them, 1-0 at Middlesbrough. Mitro's 38th goal of the season, this courtesy of Ed Walker. Mitrovic alone has scored more EFL goals this season than Hull City, Barnsley, Peterborough United, Gillingham, Doncaster Rovers, Crew Alexandra, Carlisle United, Barrow, Stevenage and Scunthorpe. Robin, I thought that the Sky commentator got this bang on uh, when he was describing the goal when he said... And the fences in this league will be glad to see the back of him. They've seen the back of him for most of the season. Oh, God, yeah, absolutely. It's just amazing. I think we're, we're almost becoming desensitised to this, isn't it? Because he literally scores every week. It's just, 
it's incredible. Um, yeah, he's he's such a handful. Just on the actual game, I do feel Borough was slightly. I think they had fifteen shots to Fulham's six, and both of them had two on target. So just a little bit wasteful from Middlesbrough drop out of the playoffs. I'm not willing to do this, but Adrian, how many goals do you think Mitro scores next season in the Premier League? <laughs> Uh, Are we into I double it, figures? What do I we think? think? It, no, I don't think so. No, I think he'd be I happy think, with ten, wouldn't he? I think. I think I think seven or eight would be my would be my best guess. <laughs> but yeah. to go from that to in the thirties this season, it's just it's mental, isn't it? Is, it? <laughs> but then so is the gap. Unfortunately, yeah. I remember seeing Tamer Puki up close uh, several times last season. Just so good in the championship level. Just looked to class apart. And in the Premier League, he buzzes around, but there's not. He doesn't look anything special at all, does he? I, yeah, I hope. All I hope is that Mitrovic gets the chance to prove himself at Fulham because he. It was really harsh what happened to him last time. He didn't deserve to get the axe, and and yeah, he deserves the shot. But yeah, Premier League defenders will not will not give him the time. They certainly won't make it as easy for him to score as Borough did because that that was that was how to undo zonal marking wasn't it it was a sort of an arced run from quite deep right across everybody beat the offside trap and and yeah nobody took responsibility for him but it was it was a great header and a lovely lovely little cross in uh, Fulham could be promoted this weekend if Forest lose and Fulham win uh, Middlesbrough as we said drop out of the playoff places I don't think Chris Wilder was particularly happy he was asked in his press conference last night do you think there's a reason why Borough haven't beaten any London clubs in the league this season he responded I didn't think when our centre forward missed one from six yards out he went oh no that's a London club I better knock that one wide <laughs> that is yeah. not the question to ask Chris Wilder seriously <laughs> uh, it, was, it was a bit of an odd one we know that he loves to rotate his strikers but I did feel he weakened his team, really. I think Balogun and, and Connolly have been doing very well from the off. And Watmore has been doing very well from the bench. And he's obviously flipped it around and gone with Watmore and Spora. And, uh, it, yeah, it didn't really work. And, yeah, I was a little bit surprised. And because of the nature of the game, I don't think Balogun came on. I'm not even sure Connolly came on. So, yeah, it was a, it was a slightly odd team. And, and I also think they're better with Boller at uh, left back than than Taylor I think he he offers a little bit more and again he he's someone that came off the bench uh, meanwhile, back on Tuesday, there was a huge win for Reading. Now, eight points clear of the relegation zone after beating Stoke 2-1 in Berkshire. Uh, Clark, they got a bit lucky here, didn't they? The, the goals, the first one was fairly fortuitous. Michael O'Neill felt it was handball and then there was an own goal as well. But but an eight-point gap between they and Barnsley, they're almost there now, aren't they? Yeah, it, full credit to them. I looked at the form table, last 10 games, 15 points. It's mid-table form, so... So they're not in, in bad shape at all. It, we've said it the whole season. If they sort their defending out, they'll be fine. Because it, there was a one point where they just kept letting in three or four goals every game. Every corner they they faced was a goal against them. So, yeah, in fairness to Ince and, and the coaching staff that he's got around him, they have worked on that and they've, they've, they've stopped being so leaky. So, yeah, it was good. I, I thought that the... I couldn't tell whether it was handball from Morrison, but I really liked the little drop of the shoulder from from Junior Hoylett, and he and he he didn't even have to shift the ball past the defender. He just it's something I used to try and do myself. You just need you need a couple of inches. That's all you need of space to then curl it around the last defender. And it was a, it was brilliant wing play from him, and and he'll be he'll be buzzing obviously after qualifying for the World Cup with Canada, uh, Junior Hoylett. So now I think. Yeah, I think Reading are one win away from safety. Yeah, and they, and they should do it. Just a, just a, a sort of a tip of my hat to to Nyland, the goalkeeper, um, just proving that that chocolate wrists are alive and well in the in the modern keeper. It was in um, time that, for Easter as well. That, that was yeah, that was a classic case, wasn't it? <laughs> it was a bit. I, yeah, I think I think I might even have, have saved it. I, I swear it was it was yeah, it was a little bit feeble goalkeeping. Uh, Robin, we know how this ends, don't we? Paul Ince, they've done all right. They appoint him on a permanent basis because of that. And then in October, they sack him. That's exactly what I was going to say. <laughs> That's literally <laughs> what's going to happen. I mean, it, uh, yeah, nothing against Reading fans or Reading as a club. But that, I, I literally, that is, I, I'd be so shocked if that 
doesn't happen. Um, he's, he's done well, as you say, and then they'll have a bad run of results. I guess the only thing is, well, because they did end up sacking um, Paunovic, because there was a question about whether they could afford to. So mm. I guess, I don't know if Paul Ince is going to wield a bit more compensation money because of his name, but then it's his first coaching job since about 2014. So I'm not sure how that works, but yeah, no, I, I can see that happening. Um, really see that happening. But as, as Adrian said, you know, He's done well. He's actually quite surprisingly steered them to safety. Although having said that, they do I think they do have a, a squad that probably should be performing a little bit above where they are. Um and they've they've got a pretty kind run. I just yeah, it's just annoying because they've basically killed any sort of relegation um excitement battle down there. So <laughs> I mean Barnsley have a game in hand, but I think it would take something pretty bad run from Reading to sort of a not, not stay up from here. Yeah, you'd think so. Uh, Stoke, by the way, 15th. wonder if they might make a managerial change in the summer too. Uh, also on Tuesday, Sheffield United's excellent home form continued. They squeezed past QPR to make it eight wins out of their last 10 games at Bramall Lane whilst inflicting a fourth straight defeat on a Rangers side who are sliding down the table quicker than a, a cream egg left on its side to continue the Easter theme. Uh, you want to talk about the winner first, I suppose, Adrian, but the story's QPR here, really, isn't it? And and Paul Heckingbottom with what I thought was a, a lovely little dig at, at Rangers afterwards. He said, the goal was from a set-piece routine that we've used before. It was great to get a goal from it. Basically, they haven't done their scouting, so they just <laughs> took a short corner and scored from it. <laughs> uh, it's interesting. I hadn't, even, I hadn't clocked that that might have been a little dig. I, he might just have been, you know, speaking from the heart. We, we scored from one before. And it was great to get a goal from it. It's not always a dig, Matt, you know. Um, but it was great. It was really good. Having been sort of part of those those set-piece routines as a player, they're much harder to pull off than you, than you think because you have to get every component of it spot on. The weight of the pass from Fleck, who took the corner, has to be right. And it was it was absolutely perfect. It was yeah, It was spot on. The timing of the dummy has to be perfect, otherwise no one falls for it. And and obviously the technique of the of the strike to keep it down when the ball's coming towards you across your body, that's really hard as well. So yeah, I thought it was an, an outstanding goal from Norwood, who I don't think scored for ages, like a couple of seasons. So yeah, it was a it was a fitting way to win the game. They deserved it. Um it's good to see them give the debut to Iremovic, who's come from come from a club in Russia obviously because he um that league his, his contract was was null and void so they've picked him up um, and I was just looking at the blades midfield it was in this game Bulldog Burge Norwood Fleck and Stevens and we've seen that midfield before haven't we uh, in the Premier League and they did pretty well didn't they in the Premier League as well that 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 unit so yeah it'll be interesting to see if they stick together and stay fit between now and the now and the end. And if they do, I think they'll be in the playoffs. It's looking like that. You wouldn't say the same for for QPR though. We we did speak about this briefly on Monday, Robin. But keen to get your opinion on the on the Mark Warburton thing. It, it feels like the cat's out the bag now, and that at some point, whether it be before the end of the season or or at the end, they're going to cut bait and, and appoint a new manager. That that can't be healthy for them for the rest of the season, can it? He's 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 sort of knowing that he's going to be out of work and, and that's not great for his squad as much as anybody else. No, I couldn't agree with you more because they're not actually that far away from getting into the playoffs and this is just going to create a real atmosphere of uncertainty. And yeah, it's really bizarre for me. Um, obviously, I'm not someone who watches them you know, closely every week. I just wonder if... <laughs> We're quite, we've got quite short memories. Almost, I think a lot of managers almost get, they have a victim of starting well and then sort of tailing off. If it's the other way round, then they get loads of praise. So I really do think it's, I would, it, just from the outside looking in, it'd be an incredibly mad decision. Obviously, if they don't get in the playoffs and they think they need a reset in the summer, fair enough. But the fact they, it's out there now, I feel is really, it's not good, not good yeah. for the club. Yeah, I agree. You've got to remember where, where they were when he took over. They they mm. weren't anywhere near as good as they are now. And and it feels like for the first time in ages, there's quite a bit of stability at Queen's Park Rangers. They've got their house in order off the pitch. 
they've got themselves a really steady but also good manager. I, I do mm. rate him. I think he's he's a smart guy. He just needs better players. Just needs a few better ones. They, yeah, like give him, give him. I would, I would give him a new contract and mm. and and try to try to be really smart with the recruitment this summer to get the right types of players he needs to take the team to the next level. I think I would say there's a better than even chance than that the next manager does worse than Warburton. They're missing Chris Willock, aren't they? I think is he out for the rest of the season. Also, just one more thing on that set-piece goal. I remember a couple of years back when I was still playing 11 aside, our manager tried to get us to do that and he gave up after about 15 minutes because it just... <laughs> it looks simple the way they did it, but... Yeah, we just couldn't get it. That probably tells us you more about my team. Yeah, leave it to the professionals. You could say the same about hosting Football League podcasts. But, uh, fair, not, fair for me to say. not for me to say. Uh, right, so that was the midweek championship action. We'll uh, check in with what happened in Leagues 1 and 2 next. It's the Paddy Power Football Supporter Support Line and we're talking to Man United fan Jeremy about Liverpool's potential quadruple. Jeremy? Yeah, I've always said Man City are a great bunch of lads and if they can stop Liverpool winning any trophies, I'll love them even more. It's not always rewarding being a Man United fan, but if you want rewards, then try a completely free £5 bet builder on Liverpool v Man City this weekend. Paddy Power! Pre-match online bet builder bets only. Min two legs plus. Max one free £5 bet per customer. Must have previously deposited to avail. Seven-day free bet expiry. Eligibility restrictions and T's and C's apply. 18 plus. BeGambleAware.org You're listening to the Totally Football League Show. Part of the Athletic Podcast Network. Meanwhile then, in League One, we have new leaders. Their name is Wigan Athletic. They sit a point clear of MK Dons after both sides won. MK best in crew. Wigan did for Accrington. The former leaders, Rotherham, didn't play. Uh, in that Wigan game, Joe Bennett's free kick... The pick of the goals and uh, another one for your man, Josh McGuinness, Clarky. He's mm. really taken your words to heart, hasn't he? Yeah, he has. And it was a great header from, from Max Power, who had a really strong game. Um, yeah, it was, a, it was a beautiful goal from, from McGuinness. And it was a, a routine win, wasn't it, against an Accrington team that she can't stop letting them in at the moment. Goalkeeper. I mean, that was a bit of a gift, wasn't it? The, the, the one Papadon the... wrists rather than chocolate wrists, I'd say. <laughs> well, it was I a pat down, a wasn't it? Trampoline, more of a trampoline wrist. He kind of <laughs> yeah. didn't trap it, did he? Um... Yeah, he just sort of pushed it down, didn't he, for, for Keane to tap in. It was it was bizarre, really. But um, yeah, they look good, Wigan. Really, really strong team. And and, and they could easily sort of go on and, and win the title now, I guess. The um, one thing that stood out when I was doing my research was that there was a reference to Will Keane and being over 20 goals and they said he's got a, he's got his own mind coach that's um you know apparently really helped his sort of focus around football so so yeah he's off the pitch he's he's done a little bit of work and it's paid off um yeah a lot a lot of players a lot of players are starting to do that now so Wigan, two games in hand on MK. Played the same amount as Rotherham, who are three points back. Uh, Wigan's next three, Lincoln, Burton and Cambridge, looks fairly kind. Uh, Robin, I- I'll let you I'll let you tell us all about your pain in a moment as regards Oxford, but we better start with, with Morecambe, who beat them 2-1. Look like they're hitting form at just the right time. First successive league wins of the League One campaign. It's some something we've been talking about all season, Adrian, isn't it? But if you've got Cole Stockton, you've got a much better chance than a lot of the other teams down there because he is a goal scorer and, and that proved it again. But not only that impressive, but the fact they came from behind to get this win really stood out. Yeah, exactly. Didn't have much of the ball, didn't have many shots, but they were pretty clinical when when they had the chance and and Stockton did, the, did his bit. I, I think I would also like to mention Adam Phillips, who was the guy who set him up for his goal. It was a good press. So they sort of set a trap for Oxford. They knew they wanted to play out from the back. So they just said, go on, you have it, you have it. And then boom, uh, Adam Phillips just closed down, won the ball. And, and, and from there, they sort of conjured up conjured up the goal. Adam Phillips was was successful, wasn't he, last season under Derek Adams. And then it sort of, then I think he went on a loan somewhere else and he's ended up in a roundabout way coming back. And it, it just seems to me that, it's a manager that that gets the best out of out of him. So um, I wouldn't say they're safe, Morecambe, but they've given themselves a a crack at it, haven't they? That was that was a good win because Oxford. Uh, we, we know how dangerous they are. Also, the goalkeeper deserves real credit, and I'm sure Robin was cursing that great save at the end from from Trevor Carson. How in the name of heaven 
Did Trevor Carson keep that one out? Oh, it's one of the best saves I've seen, honestly, from any level. It was incredible. Uh, going the wrong way and then and then um, managing to sort of readjust. And no, that, that was absolutely incredible. I think for Oxford, basically, we stopped outscoring teams and that was not sustainable. No clean sheet in eight. And I also think, so we lost the last two and Cameron Brannigan's been missing from both of them. Now, he hasn't stopped goals going in, um, but he he's a big miss. And ultimately, just couldn't do it on a wet Tuesday night in Lancashire. Did you see? Oh, yeah, this is my favourite bit. When I'm watching on iFollow, every sort of few minutes or so, you saw a cloth on the camera. The cameraman had <laughs> oh, to keep... That. It was, yeah, it was prop. It was filthy night. And uh, yeah, ultimately, they couldn't handle the conditions. Neither could Oxford. <laughs> yeah, the wind, you could hear the wind when I was watching the highlights of the game. You could really hear it howling. Um, on, on Oxford, very quickly... Um, do you think, and we've been talking about it all season, but do you think that sort of they're just not a rounded enough team to get promoted? Because that's what it feels to me. It just feels that they spend 80% of their time concentrating on the scoring bit and, and not so much not so much the keeping them out. And of course, when you come up against good teams, that, 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 that's a fatal flaw, really. No, no, I agree. That's bang on, basically. Um, Carl Robinson loves it. Uh... He loved to sign a winger, and he he just collects them. And the the main the main issue was uh, not saying he wasn't playing actually as much, but Alex Gorin did his ACL earlier in the season. He's basically the only defensive midfielder Oxford have, and I don't think he would have played as much as he has in recent seasons. But just in the odd game, really could have used him because there's quite a few goals where you feel like oh he would have been there to sort of at least be in the way. So I think that that's been pretty costly. And yeah, I mean like last season got in the playoffs and got battered by Blackpool and it was completely fair enough because yeah just not enough defensive discipline I, I think um and he's changed shape he changed it back on Tuesday and I think it was you know slightly unlucky as you say you know at the second half Oxford were peppering them and yeah he made some fantastic saves but yeah you never, as I said, you're never going to outscore teams every single week. It's just not going to happen. That's not, as you say, it's not really a good recipe for promotion. Got to beat Sunderland on Saturday then. Must win. And I'm actually doing that game for, for Radio Oxford, which is going to be glorious because I could be as biased as I want then. I can, uh, <laughs> I can release the shackles. Yeah, it's going to be great. I love it. Um, Ab- Abby wants to know if you're going to refer to him as Cambran then in commentary. Oh, yeah. Got to, uh, put out all the nicknames. JMO. Um, yeah, or for James Henry, uh, Easty, all that. Yeah, they become your mates when you're on local radio. It's brilliant. <laughs> right, we'll get a super cut of that on. <laughs> uh, well, another side seemingly timing their end of season sprint just right, like Morecambe and Wickham Wanderers. They wandered all the way to Cambridge on Tuesday. I mean, they probably caught a bus, but either way, they won four-one. Uh, I love their red and white quarters away shirt. That's my main takeaway from this game. Uh, but unbeaten in seven, Robin, and and looking as though they might be one of the teams who pip Oxford to to the final playoff place, or yeah, probably not for automatic promotion. But but from having looked as though they were on a downward spiral for for quite a long time, they're all of a sudden putting together this good unbeaten run, and with only what five games of the season to go, you probably have them in the in the playoff places now. Yeah, I think so. It's timing is key, isn't it? This part of the season, they're just hitting their stride, and after they they were really they had a real lapse at the back for quite a few games. And now suddenly, I don't know what he's done, Gareth Ainsworth. Now they're, um, they've conceded two in the last seven, which is an unbeaten run. And yeah, they were completely dominant against Cambridge. Who I get, again, I think they've had a brilliant season, Cambridge, haven't they? You know, they've had a really good day out at St. James's Park in the FA Cup. Job done. They've had some good results recently in the in the league as well against big teams, Ipswich and, and Plymouth. So I think, you know, they know they're safe. They probably are going to have these results. But yeah, on Wickham, I think they've got the momentum now. They do have a difficult run in though, Clarkie, don't they? And we, we speak about this at this time of the season. You know, if, you, if you've got Gillingham and Wimbledon in January, you think, great, that's just what we want. If you've got them in March, April, it's a slightly different proposition. Mm. I get that. Yeah, I do. But but the teams, that those teams that you speak of won't want to play Wickham either, will they? Uh, this time of the year, who who are, are very motivated. So I just think, well, Robin's right about the defending. They needed to sort that out, and they have. 
it just looking at them in this game, they just looked really fit and powerful and sprightly. It was like they were playing on sort of times two speed at, at times. It, they just looked really sharp. And um, and that's a good place to be, isn't it? Uh, as you're coming towards the the end of the season, it's still a really attacking lineup. The midfield axis is is Wing and Scowen. It's a little bit Oxfordish, isn't it? It's that that you know neither is really that defensive. Um, there's some good goals in the game. So yeah, I'm, I'm going to Wickham Plymouth actually on Good Friday. That'll be a big game, won't it? That'll be a really really interesting one. We'll get a gauge there, I think. Of where Wickham are because Plymouth have um, you know having a, having a brilliant season. So I I actually f- feel that this was a fortuitous fixture for Wickham in a way because Cambridge had just beaten Ipswich, unbelievable result, you know, really memorable one for them. And and I remember saying this about Luton last year in the Championship, back to back tough games when you've got limited resources are hard. And I just don't think that Cambridge can can play two tough teams in the space of a few days and be brilliant in both. I just think it's a little bit beyond them at the moment. And so that, that that's what happened here. And meanwhile, in League Two, Port Vale up into third place after they won at Salford. The other midweek matchup saw Forest Green beat Mansfield by a goal to nil. I think we can say that their wobble FGR is now officially over after three straight one nil wins, but uh, it's not been a great week for them anyway. Adrian Matt, Stave- Matt Stevens' ACL injury will be on the on the sidelines for the foreseeable future. I mean, never mind this season; that's a blow for them next season. Yeah, it's really sad because he's had he's done so well, hasn't he? And what I loved was the celebration. So someone had put the shirt. Did you see it? They put the shirt behind the goal, and they knew exactly where it was, and they all ran over to to get that shirt. And, and by all accounts, at the final whistle. They were FaceTiming him in the dressing room to sort of make him feel part of the the celebration. Because I think this was a big win. It, they were starting to get a little bit shaky. And it was like, ah, are we going to actually blow this? But but to beat, you know, an immediate rival, to get a third 1-0 win in a row, it's, yeah, I think that they're, they're right on the precipice now of going up. So, yeah. And it'll be, it, in a way, the Stevens injury might just galvanise them in a way because like we've got to got to do it make sure we're a league one team by the time he he comes back so um, yeah this was this was a close game could have gone either way but but Forest Green I think just about shaded it yeah maybe the sending off of Lapsley just after half time was key as well on that I don't know what did you see this Robin uh, it, it was difficult me. to see actually wasn't it was it, really hard angle. to see it was really yeah. hard to see but my gut instinct was that I don't think there was much contact. And just the way that the referee, he waited and he basically looked at the player. He, I think he made his call based on the reaction of the player. He gave a good look at Ebu Adams, who was writhing around as if he was really hurt. And on the back of that, he goes for the red. It's a guess. It's a guess. And that's wrong. If you're guessing, don't make that decision. Make a, Make no decision. Give a foul and move on. It just winds me up. It just winds me up. Um, and yeah, that, that lad will now be, you know, he'll miss games. Um, as for Mansfield, Robin, still in the playoffs with a with a three-point buffer and a game in hand on, on pretty much everybody else. And, and actually, they've got to play FGR at home on the last day. And that's just what you want, isn't it? Because they'll already be promoted by then. So it's almost mm. the perfect fixture. You know, if they need to get something to secure a playoff place. Oh, yeah, and actually looking at the the next few games, I think they've got Scunthorpe, Sutton, which is obviously a little bit tougher, and Carlisle, who are, who are on upward term, but then Crawley and Stevenage. So Good really they should be securing that playoff place over the next few games, and I think they will, because actually they've been pretty consistent this season. Yeah, some of us called it even when they went on that 14-game <laughs> winless run. <laughs> right, next up, time to find out what's really going on with Derby County as Matt Slater joins us. This episode is brought to you by Michelob Ultra, the official beer sponsor of the NBA. Want to get closer to the game than ever before? Michelob Ultra Courtside is giving fans the chance to win exclusive NBA prizes and experiences like official gear, courtside seats to an NBA game, and more. Head over to MichelobUltra.com courtside to learn more. Looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone? 
Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. You're listening to the Totally Football League Show, part of the Athletic Podcast Network. If you want to read more Football League content from the likes of Nancy Frostick, Paul Taylor, Phil Buckingham, Peter Rutzler and more of the Athletic's best writers, you can do so by heading to theathletic.com forward slash league show and get yourself a subscription of just £1 a month for the next six months. That's theathletic.com forward slash league show. Well, some potentially good news for Derby County this week as American businessman Chris Kirchner was named as the preferred bidder for the financially stricken Rams, desperate to try and get their takeover sorted. Matt Slate is the Athletics man in the note and joins us now. Uh, Matt, it's not the first time that Kirchner has expressed an interest in buying the club, so, so how come he's back in the frame now? Mm, good question. Well, you're absolutely right. He was one of the um, the front runners before Christmas. And he was certainly the most high profile as well in that, you know, he attended games, you know, he spoke to fans on Twitter, you know, engaged with fans groups. But yeah, it all it all kind of fell apart. I think it was actually Boxing Day. I remember it was very close to Christmas anyway. And he he kind of flounced off actually on Twitter. Um, and, you know, it looked like the relationship with the administrator's consumer had completely fallen down. And he made various allegations actually on the way out, suggesting that, former owner Mel Morris was still pulling the strings and that um you know he just couldn't get a straight answer the goalposts kept moving and and he, and and, look, and this this resurfaced again i think there was another kind of quite public exchange it might have been january february-ish and it did look like well <laughs> you know he's not coming back there's it it would be hard to see how consumer and morris could sort of work with Kirchner and vice versa but anyway Kirchner has always said that he really wants to buy an English football team. And after Derby, he started flirting with Preston North End. And in the last six weeks or so, that story has kind of um, rolled along. Preston have been for sale, sort of semi for sale, ever since um, um, their former owner passed away uh, last year. But look, despite kind of press reports on the local press in Preston, of course, got, got very interested in, in, in Kirchner's interest in their club. I'd always been told that they're actually quite a long way apart on, on number. Uh, and, you know, the talks were real, but they were just relatively preliminary. And they ha- they weren't certainly as far advanced as some as some reports suggested. That's all sort of gone away. And he, we've, we've gone back. He has come back to his original... Uh, sweetheart, if you like, Derby County. Uh, and that news, of course, is very welcome to Derby fans as this administration has just been an absolute horror show for them, really. So this is news, right? And it is better news than having no preferred bidder. I just feel that there are still so many answered, unanswered questions. And I, I do think there are more twists in this tale. But look, this is this is better news than no preferred bidder. But, I mean, am I being a bit reductive to say that I'm slightly concerned to see, you know, a mid-30s crypto bro with historical tweets that might cause him embarrassment very publicly courting a club? It, it doesn't feel like the kind of basis for stability that, that Derby need? No. <laughs> um, you know, the sort of kind of drowning man, you know, grabs grabs uh, any anything floating by sort of elements of this. I mean, that's a bit harsh. All right, I, I, I'll row back a little bit to keep the uh, the, the the nautical theme going. Um, the crypto thing is interesting, right? So that is something that has emerged over the last few months, and it really goes back to when he first appeared on the scene. And you're right, he's young, and you know, when we asked, when I asked contacts in the States, you know, how much people knew about him, has he been looking for clubs before? You know, no, complete blame. We don't know anything about him. We looked into his business history. You know, he's an entrepreneurial guy. He's never really held a position until relatively recently that you'd sort of go, wow, this guy's going to be rich enough to buy a football team, any football team really. There's always been questions about his wealth and is he rich enough to do this? Now more recently in conversations with people that I'm have been let in on, if you like, he's explained that, well, look, I've actually made loads of money in crypto. 
I'm, I'm a bit of a geek. I've got in. I got in early. I don't make like a big fuss about it. But yes, that is why my wealth might not show up. It might be a surprise that a 34 year old guy who's only just really kind of gone out on his own in the business world has the kind of money to buy a championship football club. Now, that's fine. That's a good explanation, and it's none of our business. You know, he'll have to show his bank account to the EFL, and and they'll and they'll do their their checks, but. As an explanation for why we might not go, oh, well, look, I can see a sort of 20-year track record of business there and I can, you know, Forbes have you in their wealthy list and et cetera, et cetera. No, he's saying, I made money on crypto. Fine. Is Mike Ashley totally out the running now? And, and has Mel Morris had, had something to do with this? Because there are certain Derby supporters who, who would maybe favour Ashley over Kirchner. Ashley's playing a very cute game, basically. He is a master of the insolvency game. And that is, I mean, it's part of his whole sort of business legend, really, his ability to pick up valuable things or things that things that are in distress, be it a brand, be it a series of shops, be it some property. He is just famous for being the last man. Just, I am going to be the patient guy and I'm going to come in when the choice is liquidation, i.e., jumble sale outside, fire sale, and we're gonna we're gonna get raise as much money as we can, and we're gonna share that evenly with the creditors, or me, who's going to give you a slightly better deal, slightly being the operative word. He wants to go back into football, which I think will surprise some people after the whole Newcastle experience. But he's been, and that's been a kind of consistent message really ever since he sold Newcastle. No, that wasn't the end. He wouldn't mind another crack at it. Maybe he's learned something. Maybe he'll do it differently. Maybe a smaller club. Who? Oh, God, I've, I've just probably really upset Derby fans there. But all right, he doesn't want to do it in Newcastle anymore. And of course, I think he's got closer ties with Derby anyway because his business is based down the road, sports director is based down the road. So there is a narrative around Derby County. He wants to have another go. But this is a man who has never paid a penny more for anything than he needed to and who's, and who's walked away from deals, but has equally made deals very, very, very quickly i.e. like that, when he spotted the opportunity. So he is almost like the last person the Quantumer and Mel Morris want to deal with. So has he gone away? No. Is he going to pile in? Are we going to hear anything from him? Is he going to up his offer? No. All right. So he's, but he hasn't gone away. He's like that guy who always beats me at the last second to, to vintage forest stuff on, on eBay, basically. He's, he's just hovering around. Um, final question, Matt. There needs to be questions asked of Quantumer here doesn't there? Because of all the administrations that we've seen at football clubs in, in recent years, this one feels like it's been pretty poorly handled. Yes. I'm, I'm going to start off with some with some defences of consumer. This is a really hard one. It was one that several insolvency practitioners didn't really want to touch because they saw straight away that this was going to be drawn out and complicated. And the reasons for that are Derby had got into a real mess. I mean, I'm not breaking any confidences by saying that the the level of debt there was shocking and this you know is a sort of kind of high profile club passionate support which is both a good thing and a bad thing just in terms of scrutiny and and, and managing expectations so you had a big 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 debt problem which then immediately becomes a valuation problem how much is this business actually worth you had Morris, the the owner, not putting all the assets into the pot so the administrators almost had one hand tied behind their back Consumer only had the, the kind of the club, the ability, you know, the right to play in the league. Players, they didn't have, they didn't have the stadium, they didn't have the um, the training grounds, they didn't have the property assets. So that that was a problem. Morris retained those for reasons to do with the personal guarantees that he had given a, a lender, MSD. You know, he he he's on the hook for twenty twenty five million pounds now. So he's retained the stadium, I think, because he wants some of his money back. Anyway. That was a that that's hard, and then the, then the other thing that was hard and new was that HMRC, the tax man, their status in insolvencies has changed. They now have what they call preferred bidder status. It just this is the first football administration to come along since that change in the law. So that is one of the reasons why I think there's perhaps some more twists in this. It could be something way down the road. It could be long after Derby are, are fine and, and up on their feet and, and, and moving on. 
HMRC will be still fighting and arguing about this. I thought we had preferred bidder, uh, preferred creditor status. We didn't get it in the Derby case. We are going after the football creditor rule again. Hopefully for Derby fans, their problems will be long, long gone. But it, it, it's just another complicating factor in this. It's fascinating. It's going to be really interesting to see how it all pans out. Matt, thanks so much for your time today. We'll speak to you again soon, I'm sure. No problem at all. Okay, we'll look ahead to some of the weekend's standout games next. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. This is the Totally Football League Show with Matt Davis-Adams. In the Championship, Blackpool face their second derby date in the space of five days. They travel to Ewood Park to take on Blackburn. The Tangerines looking to make up for the midweek loss at Preston, whilst Blackburn hoping to get back into the playoffs. Uh, Late woe, the story for them of late, Robin. Lost four points to injury time goals in their last eight matches. They've missed penalties in two of those games. Tony Mowbray says it's a result of the inexperience of his team. Yeah, I mean, I suppose... I mean, it sort of suggests some inexperience, doesn't it? I mean, the 99th minute last week, gosh, that that is going to sting, isn't it? (laughs) Um, But the fact it happens quite a lot, it doesn't really reflect very well on him, I'd say. But I do have sympathy. You know, he's obviously not got as big a squad or as as deep a quality of squad as as some of the others. Um, And... It just seems to be in terms of they just can't score. They don't. I mean, it's good they scored two against Coventry. So I think that was the first time they'd scored over one goal in quite a long time. Um, and also great to see Bradley Dack after he missed that penalty to score. So hopefully, with Ben Brereton Diaz just being eased back in, maybe he can sort of ignite and uh, you know go on one of those goal-scoring runs that he did um, before he had those horrible injuries. So I mean, there's there's a chance, but. Yeah, that they've got a, I don't know what it is, inexperience, concentration, but that will surely be in the back of their mind if they're leading or, or drawing at, at the end of the game on uh, on Saturday. You know, we really, I don't know. It might be a bad thing, possibly, Adrian. It, the back of their minds, not not kind of going right. Let's concentrate or going oh oh. Oh no! It's it might happen again. I don't know. Yeah, they need to play with just a bit more freedom. They're out of the playoffs now. They've just got to go for it, haven't they? This is a good fixture for them. Because Blackpool, Matt, they're not they're not in good shape. The international breaks can work for or against you, can't they? And they were good. They were really looking good, and then they had the breather, and they've come back. I mean, rubbish, really bad. Um, and and so's Neil Critchley. I don't know if you've noticed this, Neil Critchley's getting absolutely hammered for his takes on the last two performances. He's he's kind of downplayed how bad his team were against Nottingham Forest and against Preston North End, and it's not sat at all well with the fans who've who've basically said, "Don't don't you know? Don't try and fob us off with that rubbish. We know that we know that how bad we were, and you should be calling it as you see it." So. Yeah, so it's not been a great week for them. So, um, yeah, their season's over. I'm just looking forward to a duel. There's a duel here with Ek Pateta, the centre-half, who's like a sort of made real strides this year, I'd say, for Blackpool. He'll look after Brereton Diaz, and I think that's a great a great battle in prospect. So, um, yeah, whoever wins that head-to-head might, might win the game. Yeah, BBD, by the way, did return for the second half against Coventry last weekend. He hasn't scored for Blackburn in 2022, though. Uh, Blackpool likely to be without goalkeeper Daniel Grimshaw for this one. He was taken to hospital after suffering a head injury against Blackburn in the week. Blackpool haven't won at Ewood Park since 1977. And now then, if you like animosity, you might like to head to South London this weekend because in League One, AFC Wimbledon play host to MK Dons. It'll be the first time MK had visited the new plough lane with supporters in attendance. So expect the atmosphere to be spicy. 
Wimbledon, Clarkie, just a smidge of momentum coming into this after after grabbing a late equaliser at home to Charlton. But even then, Mark Bowen, honest enough to admit that they need to win at least a couple of their, their five remaining games. It might not be this one, but they do have Crewe, Fleetwood and Accrington yeah. to come. Fixtures aren't bad, are they? And and they're definitely signs of improvement. They were against 10 men when, when they... I mean, they actually went because behind. of that glorious yeah, on red that. Card. Yeah, did you see that? That was one of the worst red cards I've ever seen. That was a, a, a tremendous stuff. And I love, I love to see a centre half get ideas above their station, <laughs> running into midfield, and then it's a, a really heavy touch because look, you're a centre half. That's not what you, you meant to I, do. I would describe that as a through ball. That is not a touch. That was unbelievable. It was, yeah. It, I remember seeing, was it Innes, wasn't it? Ryan mm. Innes. Yeah, I remember seeing him when he was a young lad at South End on loan from, from Crystal Palace, I think it was. And yeah, he's a big old unit. And I would not have wanted to, if I'd have had the ball and I'd have seen him, well, no, if I'd have been the one that he was charging towards, I think I might have just walked out of the way. <laughs> he would have put me in hospital. But that, yeah, I think. I think yeah, Bowen's done doing okay. He's blooded the kid, hasn't he? Zach Robinson up front, three five two. He's sort of changed things around. I give him a chance here because of the atmosphere, because uh, there's a big motivation clearly on their part to to win the game to for themselves and also to deny MK what would be an important result themselves. So yeah, I think this it could be really really feisty. I was looking at. I was trying to think about how you go about beating a team like MK Dons. You know, it's such a good passing team. I think they've got to be really congested as the units, you know, move forward together, back together, leave none, no spaces between the lines and really start quickly. I was I was looking at when, when MK are at their worst and it's in the first 15 minutes of games, which is interesting. They've That's the only period, uh, only 15 minute segment where they're on minus goal difference, MK Dons um, conceded eight goals in the first 15. It also happens to be AFC Wimbledon's best period. That's where they've got the, the only positive goal difference. I think they've got six goals, conceded three in the first 15. So, yeah, look out for a fast start for, from Bowen's boys. And, and, and yeah, if they, if they can get their noses in front, I wouldn't be that surprised to see an upset. But, but if they just sit back, MK will, you know, wipe the floor with them. Yeah, MK, and I feel maybe you're doing this too, Clarky, but I feel bad calling them MK Dons when you're referencing Wimbledon in the same yeah. fixture, like you're yeah. being mean to Wimbledon. So yeah, I think MK. so. Yeah, well, at least we're calling them a name. I mean, the people at AFC Wimbledon just don't Won't don't do refer that, to them yeah. as anything, do they? So yeah, it'll be opponent. <laughs> Uh, 14 unbeaten though the team we shall not name Robin and into the top two for the first time this season and yet it was all a bit flat after beating Crew, wasn't it Liam Manning saying well the players aren't very happy we didn't play very well there uh, kind of strange way to come into this game and, and another team with a tough run in everyone who they play has something to play for so whilst they've been very impressive that they are far from guaranteed a, a top two berth yeah although I, I'd go back to I think what, what Adrian said um, about People face uh, clubs facing Wickham. No one's going to want to face MK Dons. They are on an absolute roll. It's just frightening, you know. Scott Twine, fifteen goals and twelve assists. It's you know ridiculous record. Moise is also another reliable goal scorer. And Troy Parrott now starting to contribute. Really good goal against Crew. So I mean, if they don't get automatic, they would not be someone anyone would want to face in the playoffs. They just look like such a well-oiled machine, which is something that is massive credit to the manager. Um, I know we've said it so many times on on this podcast because, you know, wasn't expected to be there. It was a bit of a shock when the Russell Martin left. And, um, yeah, I mean, as I say, they just, they just look, they look almost unstoppable um, occasionally. We I remember Oxford did beat them very earlier in the season, both goals were absolute gifts to Oxford and it just feels like they've cut out those little mistakes and just playing to their strengths. So I think it is going to be, you know, obviously they're going to be heavy favourites, but Wimbledon is to stay up. They get a result in this game. They're cooking. You know, this is this is it. This is the game for them. Uh, meanwhile, in League Two, key matchup in the race for promotion at Prenton Park where Rovers meet Rovers. Well, that kind of Spider-Man pointing at each other me <laughs> in my head. Anyway, it's Tranmere against uh, Barton's Bristolian, seventh 
versus fifth here. <laughs> Tranmere wise, Robin, no wins in three. Uh, uh, we shouldn't laugh, but it always makes me laugh when a club appeals a red card. In this case, two red cards. Kieran Morris and Callum <laughs> McDonald sent off last week. <laughs> and the authorities say, no, not only are we turning the appeal down, you can have an extra game stuck on top of the band too. It's just like, it's one of the harshest rules in football, I think, but, but quite amusing for the neutral. Yeah, that couldn't have gone much worse, could it? <laughs> yeah, I think, did Mickey Mellon get sent off and the other manager as well? Possibly. I, either way, it was very fiery. Um, so, yeah, obviously they're a little light <laughs> in the, going into this game against Bristol Rovers. Um, and just a little show of perhaps the pressure might be getting to Tranmere a little bit. Um, as you say, no win in three. Just a little bit of a stumble and being beaten by Colchester. You know, it's not not ideal. But again, a bit like the, the game we just previewed, this is a really good game for them to get back on the horse. They're only two points behind Bristol Rovers. So, um, yeah, it'd be a big, big win if they did manage to get three points. We're loath to kind of praise Bristol Rovers, um, Clarky, because their, their manager's such a dislikable moron, but they've won five of their last six games. It's a start of a, a tough run for them, but we have to, we have to take them seriously as, as promotion contenders. Well, they're not very good away from home, are they? So, yeah, let's... No, I, they've only won once against the top half side on the road. So this is the sort of fixture that's tripped them up. But most of those, I guess, were earlier on in the season. I think they recently won at Northampton, didn't they? With a gift of a goal inside the first the first few seconds. Um, yeah, so it's a tough game for Bristol Rovers. They are, they are playing well, though. I mean, the last one, the last game at home, they had 31 shots against Bradford only won 2-1 but if you're creating 31 efforts you're doing a lot of things right aren't you I think the kid from Newcastle on loan Elliot Anderson is is definitely um, a, a player and and the standout I think on this current run of the, of the two midfielders Sam Finley and, and Paul Coots Coots is a sort of old warrior talks a lot steers the ship um, and Finley's the talent. He's the one that gets on the ball and, and, and makes things happen. And they're in great, great form, that pair. So, yeah, it's um, they, they do look like a team that's now capable of going up, Bristol Rovers. So, well done on the turnaround. Um, but that's as far as we're going to go with that praise. <laughs> uh, it's high time we got producer Abby on the show. She's going to give us some odds, courtesy of Paddy Power on those games we've just been speaking about. I will, and we'll start in the championship where Blackburn host Blackpool, and Blackburn are seven to ten favourites to beat their tangerines. They themselves are four to one, and if you fancy BBD to break his twenty twenty two duck and uh, score at any time, that is ten to eleven. Into League One, it's the Dons derby, and it is MK who are the favourites. They are three to four with the Dons seventeen to five. Uh, if you fancy under two and a half goals in this one, because I feel like Wimbledon kind of don't score a lot in MK. They might do, but it might just be a bit nervy. Uh, that under two and a half goals is 13 to 10. No, it's not. It's 13 to 20. And in uh, in League Two, Rovers of the Tranmere variety are the favourites. They are six to four. The Bristolians are nine to five and the draw is 21 to 10. Totally threw in that rogue 13 just for everybody's uh, listening pleasure there, didn't you? And, and- I didn't, but then I saw it and I was like, ah, this has worked out well, hasn't it? (laughs) (laughs) You can find out these odds and more at paddypower.com or the Paddy Power app. Prices are accurate at the time of recording. It's over 18s only. And be gamble aware. All right, before we go, uh, Fulham tweeted about Mitro being the match winner again. It got Abby thinking about footballers as kind of superhero characters. What have you got for this, Robin, please? Well, given we did mention it earlier, I think Innes the Impaler. Oh, from yeah. that. <laughs> Very good. Yeah. I mean, yeah, as, as Adrian said, if you got in the way of that, be uh, yeah. well, that, that reminiscent of that scene from Alan Partridge. <laughs> <laughs> That's going to be tough to beat that, Clarky. Oh, I can't beat it. You're that. in good form with this kind of thing, but. Yeah, not so much superhero theme, but, you know, a little bit of alliteration. Uh, Wilson the Wand. I think it uh, works very well for, for Harry Wilson. I've got two for your mate, uh, Brennan the bullet train or Johnson the jumper. I think they both work. Uh... <laughs> well, I kind of go. suspected that you'd go down there. So I've gone for Brennan the brave. 
How about that? You know, because everybody's always fouling him and, and kicking him over on his precious little ankles. Um, love you, Brennan. 15 goals for the season and, and lots of fairly won penalties as well. Uh, right, that'll do it for us for today. Many thanks to Adrian, to Robin and to Abby and to Matt Slater for joining us too. We'll be back on Monday when we'll run through all the key goings on from the weekend's action. Do join us for that if you can. From all of us here though, for now, it is goodbye. You've been listening to the Totally Football League Show, part of the Athletic Podcast Network. Listen ad-free on the Athletic app and keep up to date with everything Totally by heading to at the Totally Show on Twitter and on Insta. Find out the latest subscription offers by going to theathletic.com forward slash league show. The Totally Football League Show is an Athletic Media Company production. The Athletic. <laughs>